Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us here at Cloud Wars Live, where we explore today's digital business revolution by speaking with the business executives and thought leaders who are profoundly changing how the world works, lives, plays, learns, and dreams. Our guests today are the business technology leaders of Virgin Trains, one of the UK's most successful and modern transportation companies. Joining us today are John Sullivan, CIO and Project Director, and Dean Underwood, Head of Technology Services and Support. John and Dean, welcome to the Cloud Wars Live podcast, and thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. Guys, it's great. So, guys, to start off, you know, Virgin Trains, some of the research I've done, you frequently talks about the need to redefine the rail experience, and that's a fairly lofty goal in itself, but you also go beyond that and say you want to turn the rail experience into one of enjoyment and pleasure. So that sounds like something every rail passenger would eagerly endorse and love to have. And how's Virgin Trains attempting to do that? I think there's, there's two key areas for me. It, it is One is literally about entertainment. So when you're on the train, if we can entertain you, it's going to make your journey time feel a lot less than it actually is. So London to Manchester is basically two hours. But actually, if you're watching a film for those two hours, then it may not feel that is that length of time. And there's other examples that maybe we'll talk about later. The second thing for me is actually how can we reduce anxiety? So it's, I want to get this train, I want to have the information when I want the information absolutely at the right time about you know what platform it is, what train I'm going to get, what's your next connection. So how can we, loads of things that we focus on is how we reduce the anxiety. So let's entertain you and not make sure that, and make sure that you're not anxious. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of the initiatives that we've done. ServiceNow have been a brilliant partner to us to make sure that we deliver these things. The automation is very much part of that. But we've got a laser focus on our customers. We like to think we're customer obsessed. Everything that we're doing is for the benefit of our customers. As John said, we're customer obsessed, but we, we talk about this frictionless experience for our customers. So can we allow them to interact with us? and our trains and our people uh, with ease like they do with modern technology now in their everyday lives. So I think, you know, it's our responsibility for, to provide a service that aligns to that for them. I'd love to, to come back to some of these points you've made here about customer-obsessed, frictionless experience. And John, you know, as you set out one of the goals of being able to entertain people on the journey, but as you said, if yeah. somebody's feeling quite anxious about things, it's, it's hard to shift them from anxiety to entertainment. Uh, so I, I see the loop you're making there. And each of you had mentioned uh, modern technology. And John, in particular, you had described that this capability that modern technology can have in helping to foster change. Could you talk a little bit about that, John? So a little bit of background. So we are a, a proper virgin company. And w- within that, I think that gives us license to be disruptive. That's yeah. disruptive in a, in a positive way. So. Yeah. You know, we want to bring new things. We often want to be first to market, not just because to be first to market, but for our customers to recognize actually we're doing these things for them and it's for the benefit of them. When I joined Virgin Trains, which is about three and a half years ago, approximately, if it was longer than that, that's only a good thing, by the way. Actually, what we drove Dean and a number of other people in the IT team is some change. But now what I think fundamentally is different is actually the whole business is behind the change. So I think we had to start, we had to see that IT or the technology team were driving lots of things. But as well as doing that, because other departments probably weren't used to change and what that means, we had to, we, we went through a period of a year, maybe two years of actually ensuring that the other teams are ready for the change and joining us as part of momentum. For me, momentum is so important. 
So it's not just the tech team, it's also the HR team, it's our frontline team, it's our commercial team. And, and we're often now not necessarily leading the change, which is absolutely fine, but actually part of the change. But the key thing is it's the whole business is behind it and we're, and we're doing the change. I've seen a massive, you know, change in, in, in our frontline team. So when I, you know, I spend a lot of time with our frontline team, wherever that's been the stations or on the trains, and they often, you know, they know the projects that are coming. And, and now what they're saying is, John, can we, when can we have the new system? We put a new retail system in a couple of months ago. We're at the stations, you know, so I have to wait another two weeks. We're ready for it now. Why can't we have it now? Which actually, I think it's a fantastic thing because yeah. when, when I started three and a half years ago, there's a lot of resistance to change because we didn't do it particularly well, particularly, you know, around technology change I'm talking about. But that for me was completely music to my ears because it tells me, well, actually, everyone is part of this change. You know about it. You're being trained to have it. You're excited. They want the change. And, you know, you want it early. I'm not sure I can deliver it, deliver it early, but what a fantastic message to hear. You know that, that they want this. We've got a social media system called Yammer, which comes with, from with Microsoft. And all you yeah. saw in this project was love hearts, and we want the system. And isn't this a fantastic system yeah. to have? And and we had this ball of momentum across the UK as it went onto the stations from north down to the south. You know, and it's just actually I can forget about the project because everyone was so excited about it. I, you, you don't need me anymore, which is which is perfect. <laughs> we found that actually our, our colleagues at Station One were so excited about the system and what it means to them is they wanted to be part of the second system implementation. So we had this kind of ball of teams that were running from Station One down to our 17th station and the momentum, you know, not just the technology being implemented, but there's a, just a massive momentum with the energy of the people that are using it. No, I was just saying, John, it's been a massive change yeah. in the business. And since I've joined the, the culture now of the business, uh, they are far more accepting and almost demanding of change now. The business and the culture we've got around technology change and business change and improvement has come from a, a number of technology deployments we've done that have come off the back of each other and have landed well. And we've got the engagement right with the business, which is then started this moment that John talks about and it's about this consumerization of technology so in as I said at the beginning in their day-to-day -day life they're used to updating their apps and going and getting the new version of this and and you know continually moving forward so we've trying to breed that culture within the business and, it, and it's really taken hold now and we've seen some great uh, results because of that. So Dean and John as you described that right John almost as, as you had pointed out in the early days, like the tech guys come into the room or department and everybody sort of hides under the desk, you know, oh, no, we, we're going to have to do <laughs> things differently. And now you've got them, you know, yeah. gravity and say, yeah. hey, move faster, help us, you know, give us more. That's got to be really it's exciting. Probably, yeah, It's a fantastic place to work, which I think it helps us, uh, you know, to be able to do that. But I'm really proud of the team because their, their relationship, right, the technology team's relationship with all teams in the business is, is a fantastic one. And that's some of it about the great work that they've been doing. But that momentum of, in my mind, is about momentum of engagement. Is just comes on leaps and bounds. I don't know how far we're going to kind of push it. Every month it, it gets better and better. And when you've got that relationship and you've got fantastic partners like ServiceNow, you know, what we can do a hell of a lot. John, one of the things that you're describing, I think both you and Dean touched on it, the cultural impact mm. and the change there from every way that you described, not just the technology, but the attitude of people in that sense on the front lines of what 
can be done instead of the focus on what the problems are. And John, also, I wanted to see how that ties in when you said a couple minutes ago, you know, we're a proper virgin company and the expectation there is yeah. you're not going to be like everybody else. So could you talk a little bit about how, yeah. you know, the, the, just go a little more into that, that culture and what that means for virgin trains and where that helps the company go in the future. Absolutely. I, I think there's, that, you know, that spirit of being disruptive. Is that I could, I, I'll give you a, a number of examples or a couple of examples at the end. Yeah. It is absolutely there. So we're just, we're, we're not, you know, we, sometimes you think about what's the blueprint. I used to be in retail, by the way, and sometimes we look at what other retailers are, are doing what and can we copy that. We, do, we, we don't have that attitude at all. This is about Virgin Trains, not other about rail operators in the UK or actually outside even the UK. This is about what we can do. What, what can we do that's new and, and innovative and will really disrupt the market? And if I didn't have the great support that I get from the board, because I, I think all of the projects that I've presented with often my executive colleagues, every single one of those have been approved. But that's because I think it's been thought through, customer very much in mind. We love projects, by the way, that's got the customer and our colleagues at help. If we can deliver something that, that helps both of those groups, that, that's even better. But there's just, just the attitude of we're doing something new and we're prepared to take risks. And even actually the chairman was talking yesterday about, you know, let's take some risk. And if we get something wrong, then that's OK. And, you know, and again, wow, how many chairmen say that? Yeah, yeah. I think one yeah. that was, you, yeah. you know, yeah. it's OK. Oh, fine. Well, <laughs> yeah. not, not that that's your intent. But if you try five or six risky things, they're not always going to work. But yeah. to have that culture of saying, you know, it's all right, let's move on from it, is a wonderful, you know, in terms of giving people confidence and actually that yeah, attitude yeah. to try something. Because then innovation, sometimes you've got to try it to know if it works or not. And it ain't going to work all the time. It is yeah. going to work all the time. Uh, John, I think this comes down to the way that, you know, you've set out this, as you call it, the small speedboat approach. So we do take risks and we do put things in place, but it's not huge, massive programs. It's small, incremental changes. So if we do get it wrong, we can change direction very quickly. And I think that's testament to a lot of the successes we're having is because we're not trying to do this five, six, seven year program of change. It's small incremental change that delivers this program at the end, but it's it's all built on, looked back on, learned from and, and then moved on from. So it, it, it does, that culture that we've got in the cost of business now does work. So that sounds just like such a powerful mix, right? Because on the one hand, you've got your end users, your your colleagues on the front lines, sort of demanding more and you've got the support of everybody up through the chairman to say it's all right let's try some new things we'll learn you know if it doesn't work out exactly we'll learn from that we'll adapt as dean just said we'll move quickly on to you know something else but that seems true to the virgin ethos which is don't be like everybody else don't follow a blueprint and john i loved your example about being in retail what's everybody else doing well if you adopt that, then right at the outset is we're like everybody else. So that's, that that's doesn't absolutely. seem to be what the Virgin brand's all about. It's quite right. interesting too, which fits into the Virgin culture. It's about Dean, Dean and I do this. So, we, you know, when we're out and about in stations on the trains, it's, you know, you talk to our colleagues, how can we help you? And they've often got good, good ideas. One, to help our colleagues. And two, because they talk to customers all the time to help our colleagues. So with our project portfolio, a healthy percentage of those actually come from the front line. And when, yeah. you know, when we're putting, rolling out these systems, you know, actually it comes from, you, you know, it comes from you, the front line, 
then that level of engagement is even better because they know the ideas come from them and they know it's going to help them and they know it's going to help from the customers because they've got that real life experience day in, day out. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by SAP. SAP is a technology company that's helping organizations do great things. When you use SAP to transform your business, it's not just great for shareholders and employees, it's great for everybody. Because businesses that run better can help build communities, protect the environment, and improve the lives of people everywhere. It's true, the best-run businesses make the world run better, and the best run SAP. Okay, back to the show. John, just before you got on the call, uh, we were chatting with Dean a little bit about how these, uh, whether, you know, it's clear that yours is a, a business transformation here, but that some companies go through that and for whatever reason, they look at the company as detached from their customers, almost like it's an internal only thing. And the transformation is more focused on technology or internal processes. The customers are an afterthought. And those don't seem to end well. You have put the customers clearly at the center of everything. So how's that allowed you to see things that, you know, allowed you to, you know, keep the pace of change and the pace of innovation as high as you want it to be? Honestly, it's fantastic working in the company that is so obsessed. So I think the, the first thing that we, that we did going back three and a half years ago is it, what, one, what sort of customer feedback on the, the challenges that they have. So that is about, you know, start a journey, what we can do. What about when you're having a journey, what you can do? Let's list off the customer needs. You know, and when, when you've done your journey, how, how can we follow up and, you know, get satisfaction levels from you? So that was one. Two, we also put in, because, because actually our customers quite rightly have high expectations on us. So I thought what we could do easily is add on, here's the customer complaints. So we had the, if you like, the customer I want. We had the customer complaints. We mixed that in into kind of one melting pot. So we had, here's the overall, the pressure points from our, our customers. Yeah. And then for me, what's really, really important with technology is about how you solve those problems. How can you use technology, you know, in a creative way? We've got some, we've even changed the mindset of the team and that our, our skill sets have changed within technology. It's not just about the coding, the hard wiring, but actually we want people that are, you know, highly creative. And, and our partners have been too. And ServiceNow is the best example that we've got, by the way. But there's a problem. I mean, you know, if I articulate one of the problems, it might help because examples often help, don't they? Yeah. So what, one of the problems that we've got, one of the major problems was when our trains are late for whatever reason, now Network Rail, who, who run the kind of core train infrastructure, are responsible for 85% of the, the rail problems and delays. But regardless of who's caused the problem, customers had a real um, issue with actually if you're if we're 30 minutes late then you you will do half your ticket back so the cost of your ticket if it was 50 pounds we should pay you 25 pounds the customers uh -huh. had the problem actually how do i claim that and if i call you i may wait an awful long time on the phone to get to the right person i send my ticket in you know three weeks later you may get a response and i've done so much work for the 25 pounds a lot of customers would think well actually it's not worth it so one version change you made me late and, and two is you made it difficult to for me to get the compensation. Right? Yeah. Was, ah! yeah, yeah. So you, the, yeah. You, you made it. You made a promise that you seem not willing to keep. So not only was I late, but you kind of lied to me. A absolutely. So we think, well, Christ, this is a problem. We have to fix this. Surely we can automate something here. So we 
we got approval for a project which was quite incredible, probably my finest hour actually, was about automatic delay repay. So if uh-huh. we knew the customer was on that train, if they booked with us, we know when our trains are late, unfortunately, and we know the customer's on their train. So what we said we'll do is we will pay you your compensation automatically that night in your bank account. So we'll take your credit card information that you've given us and we'll just use that and we'll credit you. You don't have to do anything. We'll follow up the day after and say, we're really sorry for you know making you late, but because of that, we'll put your compensation automatically in your bank in your account and you don't need to do anything. That's yeah, brilliant. a huge game changer. Is there any way you guys could convince the airline industry to do that as well? <laughs> no, that's, that's, I, I know, that's but brilliant. And it's lovely because the PR team here, Whenever, whenever they get challenged from the government about what you're doing, that's always the first example, because it, <laughs> it costs us every year. That costs us millions of pounds. But in terms of the positivity, this is yeah. a virgin you know, company being disrupted. No other company would do that, and they still don't do that because we've implemented that about three years ago, and, and it wow. costs us a lot of money, but no one else will follow us. As a business, we... We, sometimes it, it's the right thing to do. We for our customers, we will do it, and, and that's a, a perfect example of it costing our, our business money and a significant amount of money. But it was the right thing to do. We, it should be easy for our customers to get back the money that they are owed because of our delays. So, um, and like John said, it it goes. It's very interesting to see that not many other uh, rail operators in the UK have followed us to do that yeah. yet. Um, so um, it's been in a, 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 a huge amount of time now for us. John and Dean, that's so interesting, right? Because you, you've sort of leapfrogged the customer expectation where somebody, most customers are probably thinking, okay, how can we make this repayment, put as little pain into it as possible? But they still feel like, you know, I, the customer, am going to have to take the initiative to correct this mistake or problem caused not by me. And that's really wild. You've totally turned this inside out. Said no, we did it. It's our fault. We're going to repay you automatically, and it's almost like you've put a dare out to the anybody else in your field trying to compete with you and saying this is the level that we've moved the competition up to. It seems like this is the sort of thing that will inspire people on your teams to find other ways to again flip the model in ways that completely distinguish you from your competitors. Yeah, thank you. And you you put it better than I did. But that you know, in terms of the momentum within the team, actually we're doing these great things. I think that being correct from wrong, but it, it gives us a positive glow. We're doing the right thing for our customers. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree, John. And no, but also then it makes us look at exactly like you said there. What else could we be doing? And the team are constantly thinking, no, well, we've done that there and that's been a massive success. So what can we do? Because it's not just around, well, it has, it has to be something that's going to make us money and bring revenue. Obviously, that's very important and you know, yeah. if you do come up like that, is it good? But it doesn't have to be. So it allows the thought process to expand beyond just revenue generation. About It's about service delivery and doing things for, for our customers and doing the right thing. And, and that, that breeds better uh, projects and better innovation. Um, and we see massive improvements. And uh, some of the great things our teams are coming up with, you know, um, we've got a list of things we'd love to do, but we can't do them all. But um, they're on the list and we'll get around to them if we have time. Um, and a lot of them are, <laughs> just because it's the right thing for us to be doing to improve the service, not necessarily because it's going to create revenue and cost efficiency. John and or Dean, I'm sorry, in some other like more perfect world, you, what if you could though, track that customers who were, who've had that experience of getting that automatic 
delay repayment. And then they're saying, hey, I used to ride somebody else. I'm going to ride Virgin now. Well, nearly everything we do is relating to the, the feedback we get. And, you know, we've seen growth because of that. And, you know, the, obviously the feedback about that as a project was massively positive, as, as you can expect. So, you know, we do, we do track that because that is the most important thing of anything we deliver. It's the feedback and the, the scoring that we get from the people who are going to consume that service. So um, if you don't measure it that way afterwards, then it's not, you don't, how, how can you tell if it's been a success or not? Well, that's fantastic. What a great story. John and Dean, that goes to near the top, one of my favorites I've heard anywhere. So I'm going to help spread the word about that for urgent trains. Uh, yeah. Can I put the cherry on the top of that one, that case? <laughs> Please. Yeah. It's a term that we use. So we did, we only provide that service to customers to go to our digital asset. So there's a, there's a ticket aggregator in the, UK, in the UK called Trainline. So we did a comparison with Trainline customers on the train who don't get that automatic compensation versus Virgin Trains customers, i.e. who've used our digital asset. And the journey frequency of the customers who get automatic delay repay is far higher than the other control group. And it's actually far higher because it, it's more money than the compensation that we give out. So I think it's probably like four or five million a week that we give out in terms of that compensation. But I think it's around half a million or a million pounds more in terms of repeat journeys for those customers who get automatic delay repay. That's fantastic. What a great and I, story. And I say that in rail meetings where all of the train operators in the UK are, because actually we probably want other train operators to do the same because it's good for customers, but they're still not brave enough to do it. Yes, but we get to hold on to their money for a week if, you know. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, it's that old-fashioned thinking. It's not your money, you promise. Yeah, so, uh, guys, that, that's, that's yeah. great. Now, but these stories yeah. all seem like, you know, the, as you put it, John, the cherry on top. There was an incredible amount of hard work that went on sort of behind the scenes here, and you mapped that out, right, in your the five stages for this sweeping initiative. Could you touch on each of those and how those are playing into your, your new set of capabilities? I think what we talk about and what we take with Richard Branson's ethos is obviously you look after your people, you look after your customers. So part of the transformation uh, we've been doing internally is around modernizing the way we deliver services and, and technology to our people. Um, and that's around customer service again. So one of the things I've done recently, which is, I think, is, has shocked a couple of our suppliers, was around we've now aligned our contracts and our penalties and targets in our contracts specifically to seek customer satisfaction. So instead of it being time to fix and SLA-based and numbers, it's all driven by the XLAs and customer satisfaction, or uh-huh. as we call it, our, happy, our happiness scoring. Um, so we've got that written into contracts where we will penalise service credits across our supplier base or partners if they don't hit certain levels of CSAT on services they deliver. So that's a bit, a bit of a different way of going about things. But what that's bred now is this value chain and this working together and, and partnerships within the, the partner ecosystem. So we have... We clearly align our people and our partners together to say, you, responsibility is that service. So we will measure you together and we expect you to work as a, as a part of the triangle of, of partners we've got. So that's uh, one of the things we've done. We've also modernized our, our technology stack. So we've moved from a 20-year-old traditional half-physical hardware infrastructure with a, an old IT supplier who was in place for 20 years and we've gone to 80% of your we are 
small element of physical storage, but we've got small, medium-sized businesses of just uh, best in breed for what they do. So not coming in to try and expand and take over the world as most big SIs are doing now. Um, this is about you're the best in what you do in that area, of, and I want you to come in and just yeah. deliver best in breed, the world-class service, just doing that and, and understand your, your part in the partnership. And that's really, really helping us to get a huge amount of capability. So what we've done now is because of all these great things we're doing project-wise, you can't deliver that if you don't have capability. And one of the things John has done since he, he's come in, he's, he's grown the, the our internal capability massively in the last three years. I think, John, uh, the team was six permanent individuals when you joined. I think we're a team of 40 yes. now in, yeah. in the last year. So that's the growth we've 45. had. 45. 45 now. I thought that's gone up in, in the last month. So that gives us so much agility and capability in the team itself with then strong partners like ServiceNow and Amazon and the other uh, partners we use to then deliver some of these things in a really quick and agile fashion. So I think all of that kind of has come together in the last 12, 18 months or the two years I've been here. And it's, it's really showing itself now. Dean, can I ask, and then John, I want to come back to you with a question, but Dean, what you described there, you know, initially talking to some of your partners and saying, mm. we're going to reframe sort of the terms of the engagement here, being around that happiness factor. What yeah. were some of the reactions that you got from some of the partners when, when you originally said, did they all embrace it immediately or did you have to, either, <laughs> uh, you know, persuade some people or twist some uh, arms? Well, I, what it was, we had the ability because we had a point in time that our, our contracts were up for renewal. So I worked with the procurement team to set out tenders up specifically aligned to customer satisfaction. What we saw was the old partners that we had in place just didn't apply for the tender because they couldn't align with what we were asking them to do. So they didn't say, oh, it's a bit difficult. They just could not respond to the tender that we put out. So they naturally fell away and we got these yeah. modern but um, yeah. small, medium-sized businesses coming in because they are now aligning themselves as businesses to customer satisfaction, which has allowed us then to deliver what we've just done. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about, as you've gone from six to 45, what are the types of new talent or new skills and new capabilities you've brought in with that expanded team? I think that's a, such a good question. I think for me, it's around, you know, we need to be, clearly, we need to be technical competent but the other things are probably more important you know we've got these fantastic platforms how can we be creative to to use them in, in the best way people who get the vision so we're trying to run a project or a change what's the end game what's the vision that we're trying to achieve and then actually try and work backwards so we, we do the same thing that, that amazon does not on every case but a lot of the cases first thing we do in a project ridiculously in a way is we write the pr statement so if you want uh -huh. to go into New York Times, is the headlines that we want to see. And then everyone gets it, you know, hopefully everyone should get excited by that. And then yeah. we start thinking about, well, let's, how do we go away and achieve that? But we've got the vision. We've got the creative capability of doing that. And, and, and then we go away and work out how can we go away and deliver that. ServiceNow is a fantastic platform, Dean's right, you know, to you. So if you've got the creativity <coughs> and the vision, then you can go from a you know, a platform to a beautiful house. But the, the agility of it is amazing. So we had a big issue with fraud, is another example, in terms of the level of fraudulent activity. And with yeah. ServiceNow, we put in a system that, you know, they designed with us and it took two weeks to, to design and implement and build and get going in, in a live environment. It, and it's, it's a very clever system. It tries to 
glue one customer together, regardless of how many emails, accounts. I think we had one customer that fraudulent activity is just under under thousand pounds. Oh, you know about tickets. You know, one day he was on three trains at exactly the same <laughs> time, and and asking for refunds and of a ticket. That particular example, I mean, it's like Keystone Cops. This one is we went to this, but you know, we had to arrest the person, and because sometimes you have to do something about it. Yeah, I think he had twenty thousand pounds cash under his bed, and he had twenty five thousand pounds cash in his cupboard. And he's just about oh, to go or fly up to Las Vegas, first class, <laughs> I think with American Airlines, if I remember, with his girlfriend. It's just, uh, you, you know, and it, we get these stories about the start of it was a great, you know, a great platform and, and a great partners too. You know, that the relationship is couldn't be stronger, I think, with, with service now. So tough factor is yeah. really high. We can get an awful lot done. John, that guy's got a lot of nerve. He didn't even fly Virgin to Las Vegas, right? <laughs> <laughs> on your we would have been a bit soft on him, you know. We would have been a bit soft on him if he did because the air miles, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Took your money. So, guys, what's next, next for your teams? Thing, now the project's kicked off, and we're doing really detailed discussions with our colleagues in all sorts of roles within the business. And every time they see it, they go. Oh, this is going to be brilliant. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's exactly <laughs> what we want, and that, that gives you the confidence because you never know. From you know, it, you've you've done all this work, but it actually, are they going to take, see it as, a, as something that's going to help? And and the excitement that's building around it is is really really encouraging. So it's going to be something that we believe is going to change the industry. It's not just going to change us as a business. I think it's going to change the way the industry deals with disruption, and we're really really uh, passionate about that. It really seems to me to capture overall the story of what makes Virgin Trains different and where you folks are headed and the, the ways in which you're using technology to help drive greater customer experience and also change within the organization. This, is a, this has really been a, a fantastic conversation, guys. And thank you so much for your, your time here. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. You're very welcome. Many thanks also to all of you listeners. For joining us here on Cloud Wars Live, where we explore the unfolding adventures of digital business and digital life, and how those are profoundly changing how the world works, learns, plays, lives, and dreams. I hope you'll join us for other episodes of Cloud Wars Live. Please share your feedback with me at bobevanspa at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.